Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. I want to show you something important that's going to put your, your mind at ease, hopefully, and, and give you strength and give you the courage. And it's, it's this. This is the title and this is the main point of it. Man has a plan, but God has a purpose. Man has a plan, but God has a purpose. And we're going to take a look at the life of Mary and Joseph and how that relates uh, to us and what we're facing today and how it relates to this. We know the story, most of us know the story of Mary and Joseph. We're going to be focused on Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. I hope you're taking the time over, over these Christmas holidays to read the scriptures and read again and reread the story of Christmas. Uh, it will be impactful to you. Every year... Um, you know, we preach on these scriptures, and it seems like every year God shares something new in my heart and in my life and what to share with the church as a whole. So I'm excited to share this with you. Joseph and Mary had a plan. They were going to be married. That was their plan. And everything was set in place. Uh, I'm going to uh, elaborate a little bit more, and I understand the biblical aspect of things. I'm just doing it relationally and paraphrasing some of these things, and some of it is just simply for humor, okay? Uh, I, I know the theology of things. I, I've got that under control, so don't worry about it. Um, but their engagement th then was more binding than what it is now. The engagement back then uh, was an agreement that included witnesses and a marriage contract. And one of the things that I think we should reinstitute, uh, at least if you have a daughter, is to pay the bridal price. That the family of the groom and the groom has to pay the father uh, for the privilege of marrying his daughter. So I'm working on that now, uh, working on a contract. Uh, I hope that my daughter's not listening. Oh, boy. I don't know if she listens. Sometimes she listens online later, so uh, I don't think she'll be catching the YouTube version of this, so I can elaborate on it more. Although I know some of you will text her and uh, tell her everything that I said. But we're thinking of that. I'm working on a contract um, now, and it's going to be a good, a good price uh, because I do have to pay for the wedding. So he's going to have to pony up some cash. And all God's people that have daughters say amen to that. But anyway, that was part of the engagement. It was very binding. And this engagement was just the first stage of marriage that would usually last around a year. Uh, and this engagement could only be broken by divorce or death. That's how binding it was. During that year time, uh, Joseph had a plan. And his plan was to... Uh, build a home or to work on providing a home, and then he would go uh, to Mary's house and he would take her back to their house along with the ceremony and everything that was going to take, take place. Mary's plan was to prepare for the wedding, invitations to write, who to invite, who not to invite. Wow, that's always fun, isn't it? You only have so much space and only so much money to go around, and you have to figure out who to invite and who not to invite. When Dory and I were married 30 years ago, I was on staff at a church, and it was impossible to have everyone at the reception. 
So what we did is we had cake and coffee for everyone that came, and then we had a second reception. Then we went on our honeymoon, and my uh, mom wanted to have a third reception in Ohio. And so uh, we flew from our honeymoon back to Ohio and had a whole other big reception there. So three receptions. Uh, It was awesome. We did a lot of celebrating. Funny story about that, and I will get to the point, and I will walk through this quickly, but I have to tell you this story. Um, Friends of ours, very poised, very dignified people, professional people, really quality. We're still good friends with them. They had a son that was little, and he was a bit of a handful. Well, the cake was on a table, this is in Ohio, that was just the right height, and we watched him stick his tongue out and lick the cake. His mother saw him and almost died because she's just, you know, put together in everything. We still laugh about that. He's probably, I don't know, 35 years old now, but we still laugh about that. But anyway, she was planning the invitations, family and friends. It was a small town in Nazareth. Uh, It was going to be a good thing. But the most important thing she was planning was what type of food would they serve? That was the most important thing. And that's the most important thing at every wedding. What type of food will be served at the reception? Well, obviously, they began with Italian wedding soup. That's why it's called wedding soup, Italian wedding soup. How many have had Italian wedding soup? Can you just smell it? Isn't it wonderful? The, the ch- who said it's just good? I said it's good. It's good. It's one of my favorites. Okay, all right. All right, because I, you know, I was going to hate to have to, you know, have church discipline here. It's better than just good. <laughs> but when my, it's, it's a big job to make Italian wedding soup. Anyway, so they would start with Italian wedding soup, and then they would have salad. And then they offered several different courses for the people that were going to be there. They had penne, because uh, that's easier to make for a group of people than, than spaghetti. And rigatoni is great, but it takes a long time. Okay, do you understand this? Do you understand the finer points of pasta? Because this is important. So they were going to have penne, uh, and then they would have meatballs as one of the meats, chicken parm as one of the meats, sausage, peppers, and onions as well as one of the meats, okay? So they were going to have that. For the Gentiles that were there, uh, meaning the non-Italians, they were going to have baked chicken, whatever. And for the keto crowd, they were going to have steamed vegetables, and they could just knock themselves out with the steamed vegetables all they all they wanted. That was going to be there as well. These were important decisions that had to be made. But on a serious note, Joseph had his plans, Mary had her plans, but God had a purpose. He had a purpose for their lives. So in the middle of all of their preparation and everything they were doing, God sent an angel to speak to Mary. And we pick up in verse 28 of chapter 1 of Luke. The angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine? She lived in a small town. They probably didn't even have a full-time priest. They probably had a priest that traveled around. I mean, her, her only experience, you know, her experience was so limited. And all of a sudden, an angel from God shows up. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, every time that somebody saw an angel, it was an awesome experience for them, and they were usually terrified because when an angel of God shows up, that's nothing to trifle with. It's not touched by an angel angel. It's the awesomeness of an angel that just came from God's almighty presence. 
comes to Mary, probably a teenage girl living in a town that didn't have a good reputation, a small town, who was just excited about getting married. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God uh, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Jacob forever, his kingdom will never end. And Mary said, wait, 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 what? What? She's thinking in her mind, I, I'm not married yet. I'm, I'm marrying David and we've not even lived together. I, I, I still live with my parents. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now let me parenthesize what I'm preaching on and give you a little bit of theology here. The reason that Jesus had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit is because if not, if in a human sense, the sin of Adam, the original Adam would be passed on. And so therefore the virgin birth was necessary in order for Jesus to be the spotless lamb that would ultimately sacrifice his life for the sins of many. If Jesus was born in the normal sense, in the humanly sense, then Adam's sin would have been passed on to him. So it had to be a virgin birth from God so that Adam's sin would not be passed on to Jesus. In fact, it was Jesus that broke that. He became the second Adam where one Adam brought death the second Adam brings life. That's the uh, essentialness of the virgin birth. So this is what's going to happen. They had plans, but God had a purpose. And God's purpose for her life and God's purpose for your life is greater than anything you could ever ask or imagine. Imagine Mary uh, being told this. She had never heard of anything like this before because it never happened before. And the, and the angel gives her this, and in her mind she must have been thinking again, wait, 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 what? What, what? How, what are you saying? How's this going to happen? Th th this can't be. You see, Joseph and I have, 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 we have plans. We have plans, and we're, we're working those plans, and we're excited about those plans. But see, God had a, a purpose We have plans, don't we? We have plans that we make and plans that we want to carry out, but more importantly than our plans is God's purpose for our lives. And God's purpose is always better than your plans. God's purpose is always better than your plans. So Mary's thinking through all of this, and then she thinks this is impossible. And the angel says, okay, let me give you a sign. Let me give you a sign. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. So Mary's relative Elizabeth was old. She was barren. She had no children, was unable to have children. 
her plan, Elizabeth's plan, was to live out her life childless, but God had a purpose for her too. Dave, can you go in the back and have them close the door and stop talking so loud? Appreciate that. By whatever means necessary, Dave. You can hear that, right? If Dave can't do it, we're sending an offering basket back there. That'll chase him away. <laughs> so Elizabeth was old, but God had a purpose for her too. In fact, she was already pregnant six months in. You see, and then watch this. Luke one thirty-seven. Watch. For nothing is impossible with God. What's Christmas teach us? Nothing is impossible with God. Yeah, but look what I'm going through. Well, nothing's impossible with God. Look what's happened this past year. Well, guess what? Nothing's impossible with God. You had plans, but God has a purpose. And his purpose is always greater than your plans. See? The goal of our life is not to carry out our plans. The goal of our life is to carry out God's purpose. God had a purpose for Mary. God had a purpose for Joseph. God had a purpose for Elizabeth. And who was Elizabeth's son? John the Baptist. And God had a purpose for him as well. What a year we've had. It began with expectations, dreams, and desires. In fact, we, had even, we even find comfort in routine, in what we would call normal life. Wouldn't you like to just get back to just normalcy? <laughs> You know, we don't even need like something exceptional to happen. It would just be nice to go out without a mask. It would be nice to never have to use the term quarantine or a pandemic ever again. But that's not how 2020 was laid out for us. We learned new words, corona, and not the beer. <laughs> now I know who, now I know some things about you. If you got that joke, then I know. We heard COVID-19. Now, COVID wasn't a new word. If you read some of your, your uh, medicine, it said it would help with COVID, but this was a new strand, COVID-19. We called it the Rona. Did you get the Rona or the vid? We started using the word pandemic more than we ever wanted. We used the word quarantine, and many had to quarantine, myself and my family included. Pastor Rick now. And Ginny are under quarantine. Uh, their daughter had, has COVID, and they were in first immediate contact with her. So they're under quarantine. We, we had masks. We started buying masks, and masks were everywhere. In fact, someone today had the audacity to wear an eagle's mask. Where is he? No, Justin Beta. Oh, did I say his name out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember baptizing Justin in the, in the baptismal tank back here, and he wore an eagle shirt. And I almost held him under to make sure he was repentant. I really did. Uh, but, but masks. Uh, some people think conspiracy, that this is all a conspiracy. I, I don't know. Uh, medicine. What's going to help with it? Vaccines. Are they going to get a vaccine out? Should I take it or not? And I don't want to debate these things with you after church, to be honest with you. I've got stuffed shells. And, you know, whatever we discuss after church and whatever debate, we're not going to settle it anyhow. 
So you go eat your food and I'll eat my food and we'll just agree to, you know, do what God tells us to do. How about that? How about if we preach Christ and him crucified? Is that okay? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine um, and he's having some difficulties and they're dividing over conspiracies and masks and it's hard to keep it together and people trust the news more than they trust the word and we just kind of made another pact again and we've both been in ministry ordained ministers for decades now we both made a pact again either on Thursday I think it was Thursday you know what my friend let's preach Christ and him crucified and let the Holy Spirit do his work vaccines yes or no I was talking to Pastor Joe about it. I'll take the vaccine. Maybe I'll grow a third arm. I'll be a better piano player. I don't know. <laughs> Told that to Kelly. She said it would be great. Somebody, then you won't need anybody else to flip your music around. I don't know. <laughs> Stimulus checks or not. Should they give them or not? I don't know. Small businesses, that I do know, have been hit very hard. Restaurants and people in the service industry, pray for them. We have small business owners in our church I can't imagine what they're going through. A contentious election, I think we knew that was coming. I think we all just want Jesus to come back, at least I do. Because our hope is in the name of the Lord, not the name of the candidate. Were any of these words and any of these things that we faced included in your plans for 2020? Not mine. What's the big purpose that God's trying to accomplish worldwide? What is he doing? These questions come up. What is going to happen to America? How, does all of, how do all of these events relate to his return? I'm going to give you a definitive answer. I don't know. And I'm going to tell you something important, and I mean this sincerely. I leave the big things to God. My hope is in the name of the Lord. And you'll be better off leaving the big things to God because he will accomplish his purposes. Amen? All right, let me keep going because I've got more here. You don't have the privilege of the online people. They can just stop. They can hit the button and be done with me. <laughs> I watch you walk out now, so... The better question is not these big questions. I don't know. I leave the big stuff to him. The better question is what's God doing in my life? What's God's purpose for my life? And here's what I think he's teaching me, and maybe this will be a help to you. Watch. He wants me to live with some unknown so that I can grow in my faith. He wants me to live with some unknown so that I can grow in my faith. If we can plan and do all of this and everything works out and we can prove this, that, and something else and we know this, that, and, and another thing, it requires no faith. I think what he's doing in my life is he's forcing me to live in the unknown. And I've had to answer many questions. Well, 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 is the church going to close? I, I don't know yet. And then the answer was, yeah, so when are we going to open back up again? Well, the church never closed, just the building. But you mean when, when is the building going to open up? Here's the answer. I, I, I don't know. 
And, 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 and what are you going to do for, for uh, September when that starts back up? I, I, I don't know. And, and what about fellowships and, and things? I don't know. And what about Christmas parties? I, I don't know. And, and, and what about the ministries and small groups and everything? I, 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 I don't know. I'm learning to live with the unknown so I can grow in my faith and say, you know what, God, I'm okay with the unknown. I can trust in you for what I don't know. Are you catching this? Because, see, we have our plans, and we like to have our plans and work through those plans, but God has a purpose. And even through this mess that we've been through, God has a purpose for our lives. And sometimes he wants us to live with the unknown so that we can grow in faith. One of my favorite hymns is this, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." Do you know the chorus? "'Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him.'" How I've proved him o'er and o'er, over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Here's my phrase. Oh, for grace to trust him more. If not for the unknown, we would not be growing in our faith. Nothing's impossible with God. He has a purpose in your pain. He's not the cause of pain because God is good and the devil is bad. But we have pain in our lives. God can use that pain for his purpose. He can take your problems and accomplish his purpose in your life because nothing is impossible with God. And watch what Mary did. Mary relinquished her plans for his purpose. Mary relinquished her plans for his purpose, and she was good with it. Verse uh, 138 in Luke, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. I trust you, Lord. Whatever you say, I'm good with. What a young woman of faith. The unknown the unknown, the impossible, she trusted. The author of that hymn said, I'm so glad that I've learned to trust in Jesus. Everything that you've been through in life has been preparing you for this moment. And what you are going through now will prepare you for what's coming later. I'm so glad I've learned to trust in Jesus. Where would we be if not for our trust in Jesus? I, I don't know. I don't want to know. Precious Jesus Savior and, does anybody know the next one? Friend. And I know that you're with me. And you will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace. To trust him more. So watch the end. At that time, Mary got ready. The angel left. Mary gets ready, hurries to Elizabeth's house. She enters Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Again, Elizabeth was elderly, didn't know she was pregnant. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby inside of her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Pentecost, she was filled with 
with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she, speaking about Mary, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed are those that set aside their plans for God's purpose. And Mary said, verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord. What else can I say? I give glory to God. Glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on all generations, here we are 2,000 years later, they will call me blessed. Why? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Glory to his name. I want you to say with me two phrases and we'll close and we're going to move towards communion. Number one, let me say it first and then we'll say it together. Nothing is impossible with God. Say it out loud. Nothing is impossible with God. Stop rehearsing all your problems, all your pain, and all your difficulties, and all the unknown of what we've gone through and what lies ahead, and start saying from your heart, through your vocal cords, lips, and out of your mouth, nothing, say it, nothing is impossible with God. And the second thing that I want you to know his purpose is better than my plans. Let's say that together. His purpose is better than my plans. Let's say it one more time. His purpose is better than my plans. What was his purpose in Mary's life? That she would have a child. His name would be Jesus. He would be the Holy One. He would sit on David's throne forever and ever. And before all of that, he would be born he would live the perfect life so that he could die the perfect death for our sins. He was 100% God so that his sacrifice would be sufficient. He was 100% man so that he could be a substitutional sacrifice for our sins. Only Jesus is the perfect Savior. And we celebrate him this Christmas time. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.